Thank you for listening to the Kinky Conversations podcast. For early access to new episodes, bonus content, and exclusive access to the Sultry Soundbites, the Kinky Community Discord channel, and more sexy bonuses, sign up at patreon.com slash kinkyconversations. That's patreon.com slash kinkyconversations. Mm. Welcome to the Kinky Conversations podcast, where consent is king, pleasure is queen, and exploration of sexual expression is the name of the game. And now for your host, the delicious Zachary Phillips. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Molly, a 30-year-old from Canada who is into travel, hiking, meditation, 420, dog walks, and music. She shares her experiences working in an adult store, her recent foray into OnlyFans, sharing her unique approach to content creation, as well as her use of Reddit forums to attempt to get a third to play with. We discuss the value of communication, consent, and the power of asking for what you want, both in the bedroom and beyond. Molly also highlights the importance of embracing our true, authentic selves in whatever form that takes. I had a great time with this conversation. Unfortunately, there was a little bit of technical issues, so the sound is a tad glitchy in some areas, but it's still very much worth a listen. I was genuinely laughing out loud, both during the recording and the editing process. Some of the stories, particularly relating to the adult store, are quite funny. Just a reminder to stick around to the end of the episode, and I'll play you another piece from the book, Kink, Volume 1. But now, here's Molly. So, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So. It's my pleasure. Okay, so, <laughs> default question that I like to ask everyone just to, to kick it off, and I can I can bring it back to the, the stuff that you've um, messaged in and that we've talked about and all that sort of stuff. But default question is, is... Have you ever fulfilled a true fantasy and was it all that you expected? Yes and no. (laughs) I fulfilled a true fantasy in maybe not in a sexual way, uh, but it's come through and it it has worked out well. I have also fulfilled a sexual fantasy that I wanted and it was not all I had hoped. That's for sure. That's, that sounds like the, um, the, the common thread that most of my guests have this idea. It's like, oh, we're doing the thing and then it's just a letdown. Um, look, let's start on the downer and we can, we can, we can, bring, <laughs> we can bring the podcast up. Um, can you go into what it was or why it wasn't so great? Uh, it, was a, it was a swinger experience. Um, we had arranged at the time, you know, we had been experiencing with a couple, but we decided that we wanted to kind of host a party at a, at a club. And we put out an ad on a once upon a time site that I don't know if still exists, but invited a bunch of people to come down, come up to our room and have a great time and just kind of see, you know, it was a big group experience. And it, I I think at the time I was a lot younger and I thought, okay, this is going to be so hot. And I found myself sort of like in shock, I guess I, I felt all of a sudden that all of these things and people and, and everybody was doing all these things. And 
it was nothing that I, I realized I, I didn't want. <laughs> I just party and, and now this is, nope. <laughs> so I actually left. <laughs> yeah. A friend of, or one of our couples of the couple that we were swinging with at the time, she stayed up there. He came and came down to the bottom of the lobby of the hotel with me and, and waited for a cab. And I just had to go home. <laughs> it was just, yeah. So, naive, but. so was it, what was, what was the, the, the issue? Was it that it was just sort of like, you weren't like into it or was it that you sort of things were happening that you weren't comfortable with? Or was it just like a fe- overwhelming feeling like, like a, like a derealization, like, oh, I, don't, I shouldn't be here. Like what, what sort of happened to give you that reaction compared to the idea in your mind of like this, you know, cause that sounds, you know, on the surface, it's like, yeah, we're going to do this swinging party. Sounds fucking hot. Let's go. So what do you know? Was there like a, a switch bulb switch moment or was it just like, no, nope, this isn't for me right now. The switchboard moment did happen. I will say that. Um, it started off well, you know, down in the club, it was great. Everybody was dancing and having drinks and stuff. And, you know, we had a hot tub in the room. So when we got up there, there was a little bit of ease in and people were drinking, but, and, and sort of getting familiar with each other. But then it just sort of got wild. And I also don't think I was in the right mindset or maybe place with the particular partner that I had had at the time. Hmm. I just, I was almost like the almost in a voyeur position, if I could say anything. I, I, I don't think I was comfortable and I think I was a little young and I had no idea really much about the lifestyle. It was a, my first experience in something like this. And I think that that uncomfortability with, you know, myself, our position as a partner, I'm so thankful for our swinger friends and the partners that we had had at the time who, who kind of like was like could, could realize that I was uncomfortable and yeah, that switchboard moment happened. Everybody got on the bed. I looked around and everybody was just fucking everybody. <laughs> I just was like, okay, no. And I panicked and I was like, just slowly, quietly packed up my things and left. And there were other friends involved as well. People were doing a lot of things that I would not do myself. And I think I just didn't want to continue with that. But yeah, there was that moment where I just well good good for you to take to 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 take the the action to leave you know like how many stories of of people like i myself have like gone through with stuff that i wasn't happy with but sort of didn't didn't have the the mental fortitude to just to just leave because it takes a bit of courage to to bail on a situation and particularly a situation that's like a fantasy that you've like built up in your mind. And then when it's actually happening, so it's like double, you know, double power to you for, um, for getting out of there when you didn't want to. Thank um, you. <laughs> and, I always wondered if that's actually, thank you, because I didn't even think of it as a courageous thing. I just thought I was naive and shy. And so I appreciate you saying that. Well, well, look, we'll get into how you are courageous um, a little bit later on in the discussion. Um, but I think it's, it's it, you know, the ability to, to, to make a choice to do something and then to be able to change is like, you know, I'm, I'm all about consent, right? And it, it can change in the moment. And like if you and a group of people want to go and have a hot tub sex fest on drugs, sounds fucking great, provided everyone's keen and stays keen. If you're not keen, you know, make, make amends. We're all good. That's, that's also fine. Um, I think I think with with group play it's interesting because like when you're one on one it's like you and that person you're right there right 
So you know if they're into it and you're sort of monitoring each other's levels and you're building them up. You add a third person, it gets a little bit tricky. But the more, you know, the more people you add to this situation, it's hard to to maintain everyone's relative level of arousal and sort of keenness. You know, you have to have this, you have to make sure you're looking after yourself, I suppose. Otherwise, you know, you can feel out of place. Yes. And you'd hope that person would also look out for you and, and read those cues, I think. And that's something I've learned over the years as well, um, that you've got to read each other. You've got to know 100%. when someone's uncomfortable, even if they don't want to say it. And that's a huge part of whether it's open communication, verbal, visual, being those cues in their body and things that maybe make them uncomfortable. So I think that's key for a lot of people learning and trying to go out there and, you know, break the and push the limits. So. I, I'm fully on board with that. Yeah, verbal and nonverbal communication, knowing your partner, knowing yourself is the key to like, you know, life, sexual happiness, all of that good stuff. Have you um, gone back and had a similar experience later on, like as, as, you know, a more mature person, like you said, you were quite young then. Have you, have you had a similar experience and it was good or maybe you haven't gone back to that sort of swinging experience? Like have you, have you played in that space again? Not in that particular space, no. I have not group sex. Um, I have had threesomes. I've had some girl and girl experiences, things like that. But uh, for the most part, um, my sex life is pretty vanilla up to most, probably till up until the last year. We'll get to that. And just, you know, that was the end of that and kind of got in a monogamous relationship. And those people were not into that and, and there was no open dialogue to explore that. I did have the side of me, but never felt that it was an open conversation like I have now. I think I think that I mean I, I say it all the time and it's it's so true. Open dialogue. Just share what you want, share what you need. Someone said to me a little like not a little while ago now, years ago now, like if you want something, say it. Like say what you want from your partner because like either you get it or you will work a way to get it with someone else or like things, things can happen. But if you keep it to yourself, it's almost guaranteed not to happen. Like your partner isn't, isn't a mind reader. They're not going to spontaneously know what you want. Right. So it's like both with like, with sexually, with relationship wise, with everything wise, like just speak, <laughs> say what you need and what you want. And they might comply. They might enjoy it or they might help you explore that facet in some other capacity depending on the relationship dynamics yes, of course. I totally agree with that absolutely in all facets of life you should so in this day and age it, people are a little afraid to speak up I guess but with all of these um, platforms and social media and and so much acceptance around a lot of things and awareness it's kind of weird that we don't speak up to our closest people about our needs and wants in general whether it's sexual or just how to get through the day. It's important to be able to know that when you say something and you're struggling or you want or you need something that it's going to be received well as well. So, Well, it's a matter of shame and vulnerability, right? Like it takes a level of vulnerability to say what you want sexually and what you need mental health wise. And there's shame down both those parts. Like, you know, like to talk about sex in any capacity, there's a level of shame in certain circles. And then if you start going down this idea of like, anything that's kinky or odd or different or like, you know, whatever, then it becomes this, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, there's these layers upon layers upon layers of stuff that you've got to break through. So it's like an ideal situation. And I guess this is part of the conversation that I want to have 
here on the podcast. So like, thank you for being open and honest um, for a start. And thank you to every one of my guests. I thank, thank everyone all the time, but it's, you know, the, this is, this is us adding a little bit to the cultural zeitgeist to, to sort of break down those barriers. It's like, Hey, this is what happened. Like I had this sexual experience. It wasn't that great. And this is what I did. Now this is what I'm doing. And this is, this is real, you know? Every, everyone that I speak to is a real person. It's like that sort of cliche. It's like, you know, real people. Everyone's yes. a real person. We've all got this unique we're story. Human, right? We're real people and we all have struggles. And it just, I, I like that word that you use, I guess. It's, it's society sort of puts these doom and gloom on certain things. And that shame factor, I don't know where it stems from for most people, but it's come from somewhere or something that they read or saw or someone said or a friend's experience and think, am I weird? Is this wrong? Why do I feel this way? And that's a whole other layer to explore within yourself and with the right people or persons or in the right dynamic. I think it's because we see the world only through our own perspective. Like I see my thoughts and my doubts and my concerns and my worries, but I look at you and I see you doing, I don't see your thoughts. So I only can judge based on what you're doing. I look at your social media presence. I look at you in person. I see how you're dressed. I see how you hold yourself and I make assumptions and I'm comparing what I see in reality, visually and like words and all that sort of stuff versus what I'm thinking in my mind. And it's very easy to hyperinflate my own doubts and then hyperinflate my perceptions that are probably incorrect of how you're feeling. If you're walking around confident and like you're in a club, you're strutting around and you, you know, like you flirt with people like that looks, you know, like you, you look like you, you know what you want and you're getting it. And I'm there like, oh my God, should I approach this person? I'm a, you know, that's the inner dialogue, but I can't tell what you've got in your mind. And the same thing with, with um, kinks and sexuality. It's like, oh, I like this thing that's quite obscure and a bit down this, this weird path. And unless I've lucked into a crowd that likes what I like, what's the chances that I've met someone that can mirror those thoughts? And even if I do, have we spoken about them? You know, like you, you'll have some, I've got a list of things that you're, you're keen on, right? And unless you've connected with people that are into those things, it'd be very easy to think, hmm, am I odd? You're not odd. It's just, you're seeing it from your own perspective. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of us are in our own heads and, and then we're looking at all these people that they've got it all together, especially in general in life, one of my key things is fake it till you make it. Um, but with sex, I don't think that's something that you can do. You can't sort of fake it till you make it either. It's something for you or it's not. You may try it, but if you don't like it, I don't think that's something that you should continue doing. I think so gives you that sort of veil of uh, you're looking in, you're an outsider looking in and you're, it's, it's a comparison factor too. I want to be more like this person. I want to look like this person. I want you know, have content like this person and you can't do that unless you really want to. You can't, you can't fake a personality for an ongoing period of time. Like I've, I've discovered the best approach to my online presence, the best approach to my in-person presence and the best approach to sex, the best approach to life is just to like work out what I am, what I want and project it in a, in a way that's like obviously respectful to other people's, you know, like obviously you, you trim the edges to make sure you're not too out there, um, depending on the context. Some contexts you let that that side uh, go, go real far because that's part of the context of that situation, right? But yeah, find yourself out and project it openly and honestly. And the people that you, like that'll gravitate people, the people that discover me now like me and I'm sure it's similar to you with what you do online and what you're doing in person yeah, as well. Yeah, it's, it's living authentically to yourself in every way that you possibly can. 
And I think social media kind of gives you that you're hiding behind your, your screen and you can kind of take on a certain persona. 100%. I would like to think, you know, I'm pretty down to earth and pretty laid back. And then there are some posts and certain things that I do that, yes, I'm comfortable with, but it would take a certain person to bring that out with me. I may say certain things and, you know, comment and have certain conversations with some of our fans and things, but am I that way in real life? Yes, but with the right people, but I'm still have that persona to sort of, and I sort of play on a little bit as well. You want to entice people. You want people to come Mm. and learn more and and come and, and kind of bring them in. But I do think that it's authentically important to be that way is to live true and be honest to yourself because it does weigh on you. If you're not over, like you said, a course of a time, if you're not who you are at the end of the day and you're not comfortable with the way that you behaved and interacted at the end of the day, it's going to drag you down. You can only pretend to be someone you're not for a certain period of time before like, like I, I really feel for actors because, you know, you hear stories of their mental health going nuts because like they, they have to, to be a good actor, you have to lose yourself into the role. Like a bad actor is one that, you know, it's like, oh, that's that guy or girl. And you can sort of tell it to them, you know, like, you know, not to name names or whatever, but then there's the other actors, <laughs> Yeah, they're the- you know, that I can think right? of actresses I've always watched and I think just this is she's every this is her in every role I've ever seen and it's not interesting right you want to keep that in. So I- exactly but like for, for everyday regular people you can't you'll go insane um I, I did want to sort of push down a, a, f- a few paths um because you talked about talked about fans and that sort of stuff so I want to go down I want to go down that path and I also want to wanted to sort of pick up on something that you said before of um you were sort of monogamous and then sort of vanilla and then sort of a year or a year and a half later from, from now you sort of things have taken it taken a, um, a turn to the uh, to the wild side so to speak so um, if you want to take it down either of those paths and I'm assuming they're, they're roughly connected as well because um, I'm, I'm curious to dig into that um, yeah so how I'd say the last year um, I met my partner my boyfriend that I'm with now and I don't think either of us knew how sexual we were when we first on our first date. Um, and we'll touch on that because it's probably one of my most memorable experiences as well. Um, but prior to that, the relationships I had throughout from my, you know, mid twenties and then sort of settled down were very vanilla. And I think that became me looking for a little bit of stability and something a little less out of those bounds. I was single for a long time prior to that. And the people I met, I think, just gave me that sense of comfort and no sense of wanting to explore. I just wanted something normal. And I never felt comfortable in that way. And after I'd you know, been in a relationship for a long time, I was single again and I just stayed single. I didn't go out and about. I didn't date people. I didn't go to clubs. I didn't really have sex at all. <laughs> kind of shocking for me. I am a sexual person. I love sex, um, but it was definitely kind of, you know, I got, I started to kind of branch out again, going on dates and meeting people. And I went on some dating apps and oh, just, you know, <laughs> just the slew of weirdos and great people and all sorts of things on there. And I finally went on a date with somebody I 
clicked with. And I could say it was almost instant. And we were just so passionate from the minute that we actually got together. And it's been a year later and we are just getting started is how I could that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, so this partner has sort of or sort of did unlock or re-unlock the, the sort of more kinky side of things. Yes, absolutely. Um, definitely influenced me and I influenced him as well. We had that conversation about one of the questions and, you know, we said, what was our biggest influence? I think it was like what brought us back into this world or biggest, you know, kinks and stuff. And it's been each other. That's amazing. I like, I like that because oftentimes you find it's um, one person sort of pulling the other person along and not necessarily, not, not like, um, not against their will, but it's like, Hey, I'm into this. I think you might be, let's, let's, you know, let's get you up to scratch little buddy. We'll, we'll bring you along and sort of like that. But if you're both sort of, I like the dynamic of both of you sort of exploring together because that's, um, that's beautiful in a different way as well. You know, you can, you can, you know, the experienced person can lead the inexperienced to new places, which is amazing fun. But it's also fun to hold someone's hand and sort of run into the um into the dark forest, <laughs> so to speak. Frolicking along, you know, and into the wild world. And I wouldn't say either one of us are dragging each other. There are things that I think, you know, I've never even heard of. I'm a little naive when it comes to some language and, and jargon that comes along with this lifestyle. And there are things that I'm sure he's done before me. And so it's always just, again, having that open conversation and saying, you know, not feeling uncomfortable and, and feeling safe, safe is key. And it's the safest I've ever felt. So safe, safe to be, to explore, to try, to be wrong, to rectify. It's not safe as in like, you could be safe by like not having sex, right? Like that's, that's a level of safety, but that's not, there's a different sort of safety. That's like, like a, like a. I don't know, like, like patting yourself up and hiding sort of safety as opposed to like, you know, like, like putting a seatbelt on and driving a race car. Like, you know, you want to wear the seatbelt for safety, but you're still living an enthralling life. You know what I mean? Like you can, there's two different ways. And I think the, the second way, this idea of like being safe as you explore is far more invigorating and fun because like, you know, (laughs) imagine if you didn't discover this person or you were still in this same sort of, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, it sounds like relatively like plain or boring or just not engaging for you, especially comparative to now. Imagine if you were still there, like, it would just I, be... just, I think I would be truly unhappy and I don't yeah. probably continue on in that way. I'm much of an introvert as well. And, and so is he too, but we are extroverts in our sexual life. So let's get into that. Um, <laughs> cause, um, cause uh, there's, there's a, there's a, there's another whole, um, whole aspect of um, what you got going on that I find fascinating. I've got some pet theories that I want to run by because I've run them by some other people and um, you, you can speak to the experience. So introduce yourself. Um, we can, uh, <laughs> we can um, go down that path as well, for sure. Oh, well, the public online presence. Um, do you want me to like sort of circle back and how that started? Uh, yeah. Like, so to give the introduction, say, say what you're doing, circle back, however you want to take it. Cause I'll, uh, I'll probe when I need to probe. Okay. Um, well, I guess what, how it started is, you know, we had already had a sexual experience and then I was like, you know, I'm kind of bored, not with him or us, but I also was had a little free time and, you know, wanted to explore myself in that sense with, 
becoming more sexual and more open and, and being that person for him. So I mentioned starting an OnlyFans um, just to sort of get myself a little more comfortable with myself and my body and my sexuality. And now it's turned into this other thing where it's, it's something we work towards. It turns us on. So we do a lot of, um, it's couple stuff. We're not looking to do things solo, although a lot of the content that I do provide. So the untamed duo part of it is that we are a duo although I am sort of the face and he likes to say, you know, the highlight of the thing, no one's coming for me. They're coming for you and they're coming to see, you know, you. And if they're into the couple aspect, then yes, you could come to our OnlyFans again, which is Untamed Duo on there. And they can kind of see us play and see our photos and things like that. It's not the forefront of our life or our sexuality. It's something that we do for fun. If we make you know, anything out of it financially, sure. But it is sort of a bit of foreplay for us too. It's it's nice to know that people can see but can't touch, which is another thing that we've recently sort of been discussing um, is how to bring in a third to our, you know, play uh, outside of our bedroom, if you will. Mm. There's, there's a few aspects I want to dive into. I like the idea that you got into it not from a financial perspective, Um you know, obviously there's financial benefits to an OnlyFans. Um, and like, just, just before I go, go down this other path, like, are you doing okay on, on OnlyFans? Like, are you, are you making anything or like, how, how's the, how's the financials go? Is it, don't, don't have to give like obviously figures, but like, is it growing? Or so to speak? It's growing slowly. We have had, you know, we've got us, you know, an X number of fans and, you know, some renewals coming along. I also have a free page, which is a foot fetish page as well, which, you know, people can go and sign up. It's not as well maintained as our, you know, our couple one, um, but it's there for people, you know, and that was sort of something that he had a fetish for was he didn't realize until he met me was he loved my feet and it became a whole thing. And he wanted that to sort of come into play. I, I love I love that you did it as an act of foreplay or as an act of like connection or that sort of stuff because it's like it's a good energy to bring to the table. Um, and like obviously the benefits and the financials and stuff can come and if it ends up becoming like something that you go into more, great. But I mean, I, I see once again, who, who's going to be more successful in that space? The person that's doing it because you love it and because it's like providing benefits and, you know, and it's like, oh, the cash just happens to come in or the person that's desperate for the cash and like needs it to survive. Like it's two different energies. And I feel like it doesn't matter or not whether you su succeed because you're already succeeding before you've even got a fan. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the act of creation is the success, which is sort of the, the approach that I'm going for with all my online stuff. It's like, I'm not going to do any of this if I don't enjoy it. Benefits that come, they come. If they don't, they don't, but it's still, I like this conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like I like doing what I'm doing. And I think that's sort of where you're landing on that. I agree too. You've got to love what you're doing and you can almost read that through content. If somebody is desperate and, you know, we've got a few people that we follow on there that, you know, our inboxes are flooded with pay for this, pay for that, check this out, check this out. Oh. You know, your emails and things and notifications are just blowing up from one person on there because you can tell that they're desperate for the money. Mm. Don't post every day, maybe every four days, maybe you'll get a video here and there if it's something that we liked and we want to, mm. you know, we're not, especially with our sexual experiences, you know, sometimes we'll record for fun and that's maybe 
just for us because we like the thrill of it, but it may be not meant for content. And if something turns out great, we'll throw it on there. But the financials, I think, in that aspect, if it gets us a great date night and you get to a little splurge or buy some new toys or lingerie, great, sure, awesome. But we're not really in it for the money at all. <laughs> I, I love that. Like, um, part of the thing that I do with this, like, I haven't made much money from what I'm doing online. It's it's slowly growing, but I make sure to spend it on stuff. Like, I've got myself a home gym over the last, you know, since I've been doing all of this online stuff, like seven years or whatever, with the writing and teaching and now that all this, it's slowly built into like a like I don't need to go train anywhere else. It's it's better than like some gyms that you find at studios now because I've slowly chipped away at it. But it's like I look at that and I'm like, huh, I bought this. You know what I mean? This this is this is like a thing. And I like that idea of like me and my partner, same thing. It's like she's starting to go into the online writing space and she's like, oh, you know, her first her first paycheck was like $5. So she went and bought herself a coffee with it. You know, and it's like it's like the best tasting coffee of all time, right? Because it's like, no, my writing got this, right? That's super. I think that's actually really the best purchase you can make. Even if as a writer, I'm sure you take your coffee and maybe read a good book or an article or start, you know, jotting some things down with that coffee. And Exactly. Exactly. So in the morning, like, you know, every morning I go exercise and it primes me for the day. So it's like before this podcast, I did some meditation that I went into my home gym that my writing paid for that I've, I've gotten. It's sort of like this sort of little bit of a kickback. Like I could have got it with my normal job but it wouldn't have felt the same. Do you know what I mean? Like that date money that you got from this, it's like, it's like, it's, it's extra special. Cause you could, you could afford to go do that exact same date, but if you're paying for it with, with something that like is quite literally bringing you pleasure, um, <laughs> that's, a, that's an extra level. It's an extra layer. I love it. Exactly. I agree too. And it does sound like you have a really good routine built out of that. That comes from that. Got to have a routine. You got to have a routine. You know, you're <laughs> loading through life and that's when, you know, you're not really becoming who you are. You know, you're just letting things happen to you. Taking that little bit of control in the morning, at least at the start of the day, is super key. I was going to say that start of the day, it's like I wake up, I meditate, I exercise, and then then I decide. It's like, okay, we're doing a podcast. So it's like, you know, the podcast goes in there. If we weren't doing a podcast, I'd be writing. And then I go do some martial arts. Then depends on the day, I might write some more or I might go do my my day job. Um, <laughs> but it's sort of like that's how that's how the day lands. And it's there's more freedom um, towards the end of the day. Um, but at the start, it's like structure really helps me and I know it helps a lot of people, but it's not like I've set up this morning routine and it has to be that way forever. Like it can change. It's just, yeah, until until I need it, this is this is working for me right now. Do you, do you have a routine in place? I do, yes. Um, I have a dog. So my routine is basically, you know, we get up, we snuggle a little bit in bed and then we're off. Um, we grab a coffee quickly out the door and we're off for about an hour. She's a, she's a big dog. She's a high energy. So if we're not first hour, um, it affects her and it affects me. It's really become awesome. the last three years. If I don't do that in the morning and if I didn't have her now, I can, I probably sit around drinking coffee for three hours before I like to ease into my day. I like to, you know, have that quiet time, that space before I start doing anything. So without the walk now, it kind of gives me that boost of energy. Also, it's activity. It gets your endorphins mm. moving. But if I don't do it, say she didn't have a great sleep and she wants to sleep in, I'm sort of restless. So I do find mm. my little routine of the coffee, the walk, coming back and, you know, reading and, and trying not to get on social media right away. And then now that's become such a facet where there's all these things that we have to check. And 
I really just kind of want to sit quiet for about an hour after we get back as lazy as that. But I get up super early too. So I like, if I don't even get up when the sun gets up, I also feel a little disoriented too. So I find getting up as early as possible and having that time to myself because even though the end of my days are free, it's something about when the city's sort of still asleep. Mm. There, with that makes any sense. Oh no, no, it does. I like I like that you've worked out what works for you as well. Because it's like, oh, it sounds lazy. It sounds this. It sounds that. It sounds like you've got it sorted. That's what it sounds like. You know, it doesn't matter what it sounds like to the external person as long as it's working for you. I've, you know, yeah, I suggest you know work out what works for you. Try what other people try. There's a really good book called. Um, daily rituals how artists work and it sort of chronicles the um the the lives of famous artists musicians painters poets all of these people and sort of it shows that every one of their routines was different but it sort of shows you that it's like hey whatever works for you you know find what works for you here's here's a bunch of ideas but you do you you know and that's that'll be the best way to success and when you see those people who are super successful they do have a routine in place well, most most of them do. Some of them are some of them go chaos chaos moment. Um, <laughs> I can't do it, but yeah, it seems like the vast majority do. There is a small subset that's like, "No, nah, fuck you! Yeah, I'm going to take drugs and party all night, and then then produce epic art." And I, I just can't. Yeah, I, that would be absolute chaos. Is the perfect word for it. Let's oh. let's let, let's bring it back to the um to the to the uh, OnlyFans. Yes. I, I I have a theory, right? And I've 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 suggested this to a few people that have entered my dms and the theory is this right people can find porn online for free right like the content that you're putting out there can be found in a variety of different websites right so 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 the actual product quote unquote isn't the 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 videos or the pictures themselves i feel like it's the personality of the people behind it that matter because like now that I've had this conversation with you, right, now that I've interacted with you, and let's say that's due to, you know, having a direct conversation or more likely looking at your social media presence and getting a feel for your personality. Now I'm interested in you as a person and I want to see you doing the things that you're doing. Because if I just want to see people playing together, I type into any number of free websites and I get it for free. And like the the the, the quality of the video footage is probably going to be better. It's going to be choreographed. It's The actors and actresses are probably going to be, you know, they're 10 out of 10s, you know, like that's their literal, you know what I mean? So it's like, for, for, for me, it seems like a, the the only way for a um, for an OnlyFans style to work is to project personality, obviously have the content, the good content that people want, but to, to, to get people to care in that at all, you have to be projecting, you know, authenticity, right? Is, am, I, am I hitting the mark here? Or I couldn't agree more. And that's something actually I, I learned right away. Um, was, you know, I've always liked to watch porn, but it's always so perfect. No matter yes. scenes cut, you know, the lighting's great, the makeup's beautiful, like nobody's like a complete mess, you know, and it, that's not what sex is. It's not for anybody who's doing it. Mm-hmm. With anyone, it doesn't look like that. And I think that real nature for a lot of people is what I think deep down you're looking for, you know, you can go on porn and, you know, get off in a couple of minutes. Sure. No problem. But there is something to be said for seeing a raw couple go at it and have that quality mm. behind them. And, and yeah, like you say, you know, you get to know them and want to see more from them. And I think that's where I've always tried to be 
be as super real as possible on Instagram. Like on my Insta, that's me, you know, mm. I'm not to use any filters in any way. You know, sometimes we'll do the black and white on our backup and things like that just to sort of, you know, do a different theme of things. But for the most part, I try and be as me. And if, if you like it, if you great, if you don't, then don't bother. Like you don't have to sign up for that. Um, but that authenticity is, is key. And you can see that in a lot of people's content and everybody just like, and then we had that conversation that one night about how everybody looks perfect, you know, and mm. fit bodies and, and that's not realistic. The majority don't look like that. <laughs> no. Um, and, and, and beyond all of that, I, I want to sort of drill down upon this because it's like, I didn't even think what you were saying in terms of the, the, the real, like the content itself having to be real. I'm even more talking about a step before that, which is you've addressed as well. The, the Instagram profile, like there's some, I know some attractive people in real life and online. And because I know them personally, I'm like, fuck me. If they had an only fans, I'll be like, <laughs> I'll be checking that out. Right. But only because I know them and their personality. Like, it's like, oh, I know that person, you know, so shout out to the people I'm creeping on. But, I'm, <laughs> but like, but, but, but seriously, like, like, you know, like how many people do you know in real life that you would love to see them in certain ways, right? Looks, looks only get you so far, right? It's like, I see like, and same, same thing. It's like, oh, I want to know what that person is doing, but on a purely aesthetic, you know, which one would make a better model? There, there are far better people, you know, online because that's their job. You can find perfect porn, but I can't find it of this person's personality doing these things. Really, I don't know. There's, there's something about this. I talked to a, to a, to a guest on um, last night about the idea of bespoke porn, like this idea of making something for someone, being more, more real than like you know the perfectly posed pictures. So it's like down the same path of just real vulnerability, authenticity, you know. Yes. And I think that comes into play when you're filming too. Like if, if you're going to film a sexual encounter with anyone or just solo with yourself, you want it to be something that you would do. Although custom content, you know, those things happen. People request it. It may not be something for you, but if you're not the person to want to please others either, I think that'll show and come shoot, come or shine through if you will. Um, but yeah, there are some people that, you know, I really like their personality online, but I'm not maybe attracted to their body or vice versa for others too. You know, they may like my personality, but don't like the way I look. Sure. But you've got to just, I think when it comes down to filming, not do it in paper. You know, we make this content, we got to get it out there, you know, and people, I think, oh, we've got to, we've got to have this all perfect. We've got to have the lighting perfect. That's not what it's about. Like, you know, you're going to get calm on your face. Your hair is going to get messy. You know, like the bed sheets aren't going to be super, you know, your bed isn't always going to be great. You may have sex on the floor and, you know, there's stuff on it. Like it's, it's just not the way. And I think that's that this preconceived notion of how porn has, you know, evolved over where it's been just so, I don't know. There's just, I've watched a few documentaries on porn. There was a Rocco one on Netflix a while back. And the amount of things that go into making it look the way that it looks. Hmm. I don't even know how these girls even go home and relax. <laughs> well, it's, it's like, um, it's like the food industry, you know, how often do you see an advertisement? Um, and then you, 
then you get the real product and it's not at all the same, right? Like it's 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 a lie. It's it's a, it's a facade. It's not real. But the problem is is that maybe with food, you know that like you know that that's that that tricks up. But because we we don't see, you know, we see food all day every day, but how often do we see sex? Very rarely, right? It's rare that you see real sex. I mean, nowadays I suppose you've got access to it if you choose to look at it and choose to go down that path. But like you simply don't. So there is a very, um, our only real exposure to what sex is and looks like is through the media, either through movies or through porn. And both of which are for the most part, unless we're talking about content, like you, you've, you're sort of going down, it's fake. It's, it's a, it's a stylized version of reality that takes away all of the goop, unless it's a goop based porn, right? It takes away. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good description. Hey, goop gets everywhere, right? Um, but it's like it's it's not real, like, and even like you know, like it's sterilized because it's behind a screen. But it's also like you don't get the 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 true sounds, and you don't you definitely don't get the touch or the um the 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 smell, right? Like it's not it's it's st- it's sterilized. So like you're having actual sex, you're feeling goop on you, you're smelling stuff, like you're in a bit like like it's <laughs> right. <laughs> It though, and I think that's missing from a lot of porn is that sweat and that smell and those, those almost tangible features out of it. We need new technology to come about where it's like smell o vision, touch o vision, you know, <laughs> like, like really like full VR immersive experience, right? Yeah, and I guess that would probably be sex. <laughs> Look, it, it's it's gonna happen. I think, um, when they when they I think they're already working out a way that they had a um like a a sensor on one end of like a dildo projecting to like a receiver on the other end. So a porn star was doing stuff to a dildo and then you could sort of lie, like stream that sensation to what was happening onto this receiving end. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is going to get interesting, you know? Oh, I couldn't see it not happening. I mean, Oh, it's going to (laughs) happen. This episode of the kinky conversations podcast is brought to you by Honey Playbox. At Honey Playbox, we believe that pleasure should be fun and fabulous for everyone. Our belief centers on how pleasure, play, health, and accessibility are necessary for positive sexual experiences. We hope more people feel inspired to explore desires without shame. And that's why we keep our toys affordable to let more people access sexual pleasure. You can get 20% off store-wide at honeyplaybox.com when you use the referral code KINKY at checkout. And now, back to the conversation. Pretty much, that is actually, now my mind is, I'm on a rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, I want to sort of like a semi-awkward transition this to something else you mentioned. Um, You mentioned that at one stage you managed a porn store. Now, like the reason the transition works here is because those toys would be definitely in the porn store um, (laughs) building up. I mean, do you, do you have any sort of memorable experiences or overall, like maybe something that you learned about people's shopping habits before and after? Because like, I've not spoken to a, a a porn store employee other than the the few times I've been into one looking for stuff, right? And I was like, I, I'm not, you know, I'm fairly introverted myself as well. So it's like, get in, get out. But then sometimes you have to ask questions and like, I'm sure that you've learned a lot about people in general and maybe you have like a funny story or two of something ridiculous happening i don't know like take this any way you like and um and i uh, go <laughs> lots of lots of good stories a few come to mind um 
It's something I did when I was really young. I was only 19 and uh, I had moved uh, out to Alberta and I was looking for a job. And it's a strange thing. My mom found an ad. She goes, go apply here. And I'm like, oh, that's a sex store. She said, so what? It's a management position. And I'm like, oh, so I applied and I met with the owner of the store at the time and it was a male and I'm pretty sure that's probably why I got the job. I had really no experience. I was a bartender. So at the time, what did I know? Um, so I started managing this store and it was, you know, the time of, of DVDs, you could rent movies. So that was fun um, because people return them. So my, I think one first experiences I was being trained was that people were returning them in the bin and you got to open up the bin from the inside and you got to take them all out. And the guy's like, no, 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 you don't touch that with the hands. Claws that you could just, so that you didn't touch them. And then we'd lay down plastic and Lysol everything, flip them over, Lysol them all down. And then we'd open them up and, you know, make sure everything's in the right cases and whatnot. And, and then, you know, re-wrap, you know, some of the them that were bought and returned and things like that and put them back out on the shelf. And then we had movies you could buy. And I think my first experience getting into this world was was working at the porn store. And he said, whatever you do, don't look at the back of the films. And I said, okay. He's like, when you're turning them over and shrink wrapping and, and cleaning them, just try not to look at the pictures. And I said, okay. And you can't help yourself when someone tells you that. <laughs> like, it's like, don't, don't eat that cake. And you're like, well, why? <laughs> so I looked and there are some things that I still to this day was just appalled at almost. What? Are you kidding me? I learned quickly to just sort of glance over that stuff and put them back. And my favorite part of it was a lot of suppliers would, you know, we'd be ordering product and they always send things. Try this, try that. So I had a whole trickle, tickle trunk of toys, but I never used any. They all stayed in the packages. I was so new to it that I was kind of afraid of toys or just, I don't know what it was. I worked in a porn store and I can't believe I never used any of the product that they sent me. It sat open for years up just giving it away you know selling it packaged still stapled sealed things like that I think one of my funniest stories though was there we were there was a store that I managed that was open 24 hours so I would go in in the morning and count the money and take the money to the bank and you know do things and our night guy he just had this open Jenna Jameson doll like a big as you do blow up doll on the counter and I said what's the <laughs> What's what were you doing? <laughs> you go, and I said, okay. He goes like a guy came in and bought it. It's about a five hundred, six hundred dollar doll. He bought it and he came back an hour later with it all open and just said, I don't want this anymore. And he's like, well, it's not refundable. And they kind of did like, and I watched on the camera. They did this like pushback <laughs> on the. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. And he's like. I can't, I'm not giving your money back. And he's like, well, it doesn't work. And he's like, oh, so you tried it. And he's like, yeah, and it doesn't work. But it had only been an hour, I think, or less than from the first time. So 
He's like, I can't give you your money back. And he got irate and whatever and stormed out. We locked the door, but he's like, now we just have this doll. And it. <laughs> what do we do with it? He's like, do we just toss it in the bin? And I said, well, the fire won't take it back. So we just tossed it in the bin. And by the end of the day, it was gone. <laughs> no. Hey, hang on, hang on a second. So, so you're saying, um, oh my god, wow. So, so the guy bought it. <laughs> the guy bought the doll, tried it, may or may not have gotten off on it, may or may not have been happy with his purchase. Sounds like he wasn't. Takes it back. This guy's been looking at it for like a couple of hours at this stage. You come in, decide to throw it out, and then by the end of your shift, someone has rifled your bins to take this used sex doll home with them. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> each their own i guess I don't know. so so that that implies that there's like a, a a a subset of people out there that are like monitoring sex shop bins i never even thought of that actually think about it. this is, this isn't the only instance that occurred like they either they either someone like opportunely saw you like did you take it out over your back so it was clear that you're throwing out a sex doll or yeah, and like, did they? Did they see? I'm only about though. I could just open the lid and hope for the best. <laughs> so, so if no one saw you put it in there, people are like going in and searching that. And if they did see it, then they're staking you out to see. <laughs> this, this, I don't like either of these situations. I don't like either. I didn't even think about that. It would be staking out a porn store bin. Like, I've seen people, you know, looking for food and cans and all sorts of things over the years and stuff. But actually. That would be interesting. They're probably looking for old toys and things that are getting tossed. Surely. And how that person got home with it. <laughs> like, are they slung over their shoulder? Just I hope so. <laughs> I hope there's a story somewhere out there. And if, if you've got this story, please tell me. But of, like, just driving past and seeing some guy with a... <laughs> I, um... Yeah, that's, that's an interesting experience. Um, what was... What was the clientele in general like? Was it mainly guys, mainly girls? What age? Like, do you have like a sort of a typecast of the sort of person that's coming in? Absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of older older men. And again, I was 19 at the time, but older men to me was probably 40 plus at the time in my mindset. So, um, but if I happened to be working in the store, if, if guys came in and saw me at the counter, a lot of them would just leave, like literally 180 and back out the door because it really uncomfortable to come and you know brown stuff. And at the time when I first started, we had minimal toys and minimal lingerie and 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 other things. It was a lot of movies, and that's where I kind of came into play and started making it. You know, we had a wall eventually, and lots of toys and different things. Lubes, I started bringing in all of that stuff. But when I first started, when I it was a lot of male clientele. Very few females ever came in. I never saw couples come in, anything like that. It was a lot of adult male, middle age coming in for movies. And I did have one guy who came in and he'd rent 10 movies every morning and bring them back by the end of the afternoon. I'm pretty sure he was burning, selling them on the side, but none of my business. You're, you know, that's fine. You'd go do you, but. Ah. I was gonna say that's that's an extreme. I'm glad that you are filled in the gap there because I'm like, what ten? Like what? You no, know, I was kind of like, what's happening here? I thought to myself, he must be burning them. And if anybody doesn't know what burning is, because <laughs> it's back in the day, yeah. <laughs> it's when you DVD and you download it onto your computer and resell it as another 
DVD? <laughs> Do we know uh, what DVDs are to be <laughs> Look, it's back in the past, we had the past things. DVDs were these shiny disks that you put into a computer. Modern computers don't even have disk drives. Like I bought my computer and it took me maybe a year and a half to realize that it didn't have a disk drive. <laughs> I'll second that. I was like, it doesn't just push out from the side. <laughs> yep. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, so, so okay, maybe I misunderstood. Your initially the store was more of like a a like a, just a porn video store, but you sort of moved it, or over the time you were there, it transitioned more into like a traditional sex store that I'm sort of probably more imagining. Yes, but we still had movies at the time, and then we took over a few stores in another province that were again only movie stores, and then turned them into you know toy shops, basically. Did. In terms of the toy shops, I imagine that would have been more of a, a younger feminine um, client base when it moved down that path, right? I tried to at least open it to more of a couple, you know, a little bit more of an inviting atmosphere. It was pretty dingy in a lot of these places. And depending on the parts of the cities that the stores were located, you know, it brought in different types of clientele, especially when it came to movie. You know, we had a lot of you know, transgender porn and things like that at certain stores and some certain stores never sold any of that. So there became a whole other facet where I kind of had to come in and say, you know, what's selling where? And hmm. it took a few years and it worked out well, but um, I ended up... Sounds, sounds like you, um, this manager might have uh, seen some potential in you uh, as a manager because it sounds like you know what you're doing in some capacity. <laughs> maybe maybe you're more than just the, uh, the the pretty face that you think you are because like if you're doing like, you know, like that's um that's like data analysis and like um client, um you know, like you're, you're doing the right thing as a manager to, to work out what, what people, what places are selling. You're looking at the this space and changing it to be a more inviting place. Like that's some... Um, you know, it would be easy just to sort of just keep it going as it's going and just be like, oh, well, it's doing the thing, you know, so making those active changes, you know, sounds like it's good. It's, it's, um, thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's interesting to me to see the, um, the idea of like the, the, the guys coming in and seeing you and sort of being put off. Cause it's like, yeah, there is that once again, it's this sort of level of shame, um, you know, like the, the cliche of a guy young guy going to buy condoms and like wanting to use the self-serve checkout god bless the self-serve checkout right um <laughs> because it's like yeah you don't have to speak to someone and you know if i'm if i'm um putting my porn to you and you have to process it you know that i'm i'm wanting to see whatever's on the back of this dvd that <laughs> <laughs> again it was a level of shame and and the conversation that has to be had and even though i'm not there to make them i work here <laughs> like yes reason i'm not here to judge you if i were gonna judge you it probably wouldn't work here but again it's you know so i think even sometimes it, it might be married men coming looking for a porn or things like that too and you know at the time of rentals your personal information is in the computer as well mm -hmm. you know you're scanning that and you can see all the past rentals their address their phone number and i think yeah and it's become i think at that time it was a little oh, not a little, a way more, way more taboo to sort of, you know, deviate from the path or rent porn or it's not like now where you can just go on your phone and hit up Pornhub and nobody ever knows you were there. I, I tell you what, like, I don't think I could have, I could have done that. Like I've, I don't really watch porn now. Um, but when I was, I don't think I would have been able to deal with that process because it's, yeah, the, the shame, the embarrassment, the, the hassle, the like, there's all of these things, and also like the limited options. Like, 
you know, like they were saying, like, don't look at the back of the, of the, of the DVD, right? But like the equivalent now is, is like, we're, we're living in like the, <laughs> the, the porn, the super age of porn, right? Because it's like, you can go online and find any sort of person doing any sort of act from anywhere from vanilla homemade vanilla all the way up to, you know, choreographed groups with like, you know, perfect music and lighting and image. Like it's, you can find whatever the fuck you want to find if you just search for it. Like it is, it is out there, which means that once again, like, yeah, the, the, the people can sort of search for the stuff that's is more a bit taboo or a bit against the norm. You can find exactly what you're looking for, which is, you know, good and bad. Um, because it's, you know, like you can sort of go down this echo chamber of like, this is what I'm into and I'm really going to explore this one space and sort of not see everything else. So it's good. There's a double-edged sword there, you know? Yeah, I agree too. We are in that super age of porn. You can find anything for anything. And I will say nothing shocks me now because, you know, you're scrolling through whatever site and there are lots of fantasies. You know, one of the ones I, I actually came across that was a snuff fantasy, which was something I never even knew existed up until recently. Mm happened to come through and I thought well that's interesting not it's all in any way but there are people out there who enjoy that sort of thing and it's out there for them not you know and they can get into these sites and they can go you know unnoticed and watch their you know their inner kink could happen and move on I have a couple of responses here because there's like this like one of the responses is like noting that your internal reaction, it's like, huh, is an interesting, like, just to note, like, I'm like that as well. I see something I'm like, that is, you know, when you step back and really just explain what you've witnessed, it's like really outlandish. And you're like, what the fuck? But then the other part of you is like, yeah, of course, humans, right? And like, that to me trips me the fuck out that I can be so like nonchalant about like, just, just like, like you said, like a snuff film. It's, it freaks me out that it's sort of like, I've gotten to the stage where I'm like, yeah, whatever, of course. A little bit, yes. I'm glad you said that because, yeah, I feel desensitized in a way in my viewing where things just come across and you're like, eh, okay, whatever, moving on. And you, yeah. But I think that's also a good thing because I hope other people don't judge. This is the nuance that I have, right? Because you don't, you don't want to judge. You don't want to, like, I don't want to kink shame, but there's certain sorts of porn that, I, I put a big question mark over and like I don't I don't know the research so it's all intuition and that sort of stuff like like the snuff porn like the age play like the the bestiality start like things that are not legal not consent like the things that the porn's like a fantasy of that if you were to do the real thing like you're a heinous criminal and should be jailed for life right like like the, there's certain things like like um like incest stuff like there's there's these there's these there's these aspects to it and it's Part of me is like, I don't know if it's a good thing that it exists because like, are you helping like same as like, you know, like the lesser extreme, like the, the analogy here is to like say violent video games, right? Now I'm not saying like play whatever you want to play, but my wonder is, is, is it helping satiate certain curiosities and fantasies in a good way? And so it means that people won't do the thing that they see, or is it, showing people and like like there's only so much porn you can watch before you might want to try this sort of thing which is like that's a disturbing level of stuff because i've watched porn and i'm like huh that's how, no, like i want to try that position that act that thing you know and then like my my, my sort of default non-thought-out dumb answer is is like it's probably both um which 
you know, for the vast majority of people, it's, I'll say in air quotes, innocent, you know, it's, it's fantasy fulfillment. You're, you know, getting off on something that you would never do. And that's great and fine and explore it. Assuming the actresses and actors are all consenting to it and it's safe and yada, yada. There's, there's a lot of ethical landmines that I've got here and I'm not quite sure how to like, how to pass it, but I just, I just worry about the stuff that's sort of representing um, things that aren't so, uh, aren't great or are illegal or are quite wrong. And I, I don't know how to go down that, you know? It's an outlet, I think, maybe for people who, you know, have those sort of uh, tendencies, I guess, if you will. It's maybe a good outlet for people who who want to do those things, but is it triggering them to continue and, and go further and, and actually admit the... A small percentage, like it's the vast majority of people can watch a violent movie and not have a violent reaction, but... You know, there, there will be a small percentage of people that shouldn't be exposed to certain things because it might they might be a bit unhinged in some capacity. You know, and, and like you know, not not once again not mental illness shaming, but like you know, I, I struggle with certain sorts of addictions, like like just like straight up eating. Like if there's any amount of chocolate, you put that in front of me, and if I have one bite, I'm eating the whole thing unless that thing's taken away from me. Right? It's very very hard to control that impulse. Now, thankfully, it's just chocolate, and the only impact is on me and the fact that my chocolate's gone. Sometimes I've I've taken chocolate from my son's room and then sneakily replaced it so he didn't know, right? Like, I feel like a, a, a fiend um, stealing from my son and, like, sneakily replacing it, right? It's a minor thing, but it done it majorly affects you, so... Yeah, it, it, but, but the same that same analogy, right? If, if my thing wasn't chocolate, it was something that, like, had a real, quote-unquote, real-world consequence that is, you know, could ruin or end lives like now 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 i've got a problem right and like i can sort of go by my life functionally you know sneaking chocolate here and there and i probably just have a few extra kilos in my body that i shouldn't have right or a bit of bit of mental neurosis over food but i don't know i don't and i don't think there's an answer because it's like this it's it's you know i mean america's playing around with their laws now then some states are going real puritanical and real uh conservative and some aren't right well and it's I've always thought that about movies when you want to circling back to these violent horror, you know, really slasher flicks. Horror movies. Yeah. I think one of the first things I ever saw in the movie was Saw. And I oh. was like, who saw this up? Like <laughs> in someone's mind and someone funded it, produced it, you know, gave the money to make this film. It is such a sick and twisted film. And it was popular as fuck. It it's, it it appealed. Um, and I thought people love this stuff. And oh, what somebody and that's what scares me. You know, is that there's people out there that are thinking these things up. It's it's a curiosity because like I'll I read a bunch of a bunch of fiction, watch a bunch. You know, like it's storytelling, and it's like you get to live lives that you would never usually live, right? And like I've read stories and fictions and protagonists and antagonists and like. So it's like, it's, it's sort of like not even necessarily like a fantasy fulfillment. It's more just like, I'm not fulfilling fantasies. I'm just exploring, a, you know, the other, what do other people get to experience? You know, like I'm not into men, but I've looked at gay porn 
just to see what they're like, just out of just curiosity. It's like, what are you, what, what are you up to, buddy? You know, like, and it was just an interesting, just sort of a curiosity thing. Didn't, didn't like go down that path. Cause it's like, okay, I, I get, I get what's happening here, but it was just out of a curiosity to see what's up, you know? Um, so maybe, maybe some aspect of it is, is purely curiosity. I don't know. Maybe I'm being super naive with all of this and um, people that have research can speak to it, but um, it's, it, 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 it brings up a lot of potential red flags, potential questions, potential curiosities. I guess, I guess what I want to have is a conversation with people that enjoy that sort of um, entertainment. That questionable entertainment, yeah. Yeah, and ask them, and not in a judging way, because it's like, you know, assuming that person's not doing the act because, you know, then it's a completely different thing. But it's like, you know, what 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 about this is is arousing and and try like have the uh, have the 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 emotional empathy um conversation ability to be able to draw it out of the person without shaming them because it's like i don't know once again i don't know if i have that ability yet either even just given this discussion it's like you know what are you into buddy okay like same thing as that that person that took the um took the toy from the bin it's like are you are you super poor and super horny? Are you, does this act of like stealing this get you off? Like where, what, what is the, the core reasoning of why you did this, you know? Yeah, or are you just a hoarder and thought, hey, this will just my pile. There's so many questions that, you know, you have come <laughs> through your mind and not all of them are meant in a way to be true. And I think that even if you ask those questions, it's, it's, you may come off or I may come off or anybody asking the question is, is non-judgmental. But it's also the person responding and how their past experiences have given them the ability to respond. They may feel personally attacked and it had nothing to do with what we asked. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing is having open conversations with people. It's, it's their ability to react and respond in a way that they may even judge themselves. I, th- I think you're touching on something. You've got to like give people the opportunity to share their their honest truth should they choose like my son um asked me he's like he's only like five and he's asking me about people with disabilities like what what happens when someone like you know loses their arm or their leg right um and you know thankfully we haven't had to like deal with that sort of issue in our you know immediate circle and i'm like okay i'll 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 talk you through it and i'll might show you a video or you know like you know talk you know just just educate him on 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 you know the loss of limbs he's curious right because he maybe he saw a video or saw someone and um flash forward like a week and we were at a party and someone had lost due to a i don't know some sort of extreme disease they'd lost both of their arms and both their legs like an extreme case and he started just as a five-year-old's dude it's like why don't you have any legs and i'm sitting there like oh oh no but then the person responded openly and honestly and was showing him how the wheelchair worked how his like um how his accessories and attachment worked and having this like honest dialogue with my son and i was like so embarrassed at the start and then i'm like hang on my son's just being a five-year-old normal he's curious this guy is not offended he's like actually keen to show and educate and this guy doesn't have shame i'm like i'm the one with the problem here do you know what i mean like not that i have a problem i didn't stop it but i I had to check myself because i was going to stop my son and be like oh you know don't but my act of doing that would then shame the person and then teach my son that it's shameful to ask like, or to be curious, like, do you know what I mean? And like, he, he wasn't being rude. He was just being a five-year-old, just asking questions. And this guy was happy to respond. And I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. And it was like, it was like, I saw it in myself. So 
with with asking these people that that have this stuff and once again this is the conversation it's like i'm trying to ask with curiosity and let you share your truth you know the beautiful story actually um that even that you have realization to take that upon yourself and say no it's me that's gonna you know set the example here and it was a teachable moment and i think for the person that your son asked it, he saw that as well you know your son five. Mm. he's not gonna have the appropriate language to ask it in an tactful way he's just gonna say hey why don't you have legs <laughs> you know right way and, and your son's five he's curious and i actually i think that person you know is is very very brave for even being that confident to continue the conversation not shy. it was amazing and i'm just like if i could have easily ruined this and you know potentially planted seeds of um, judgment and shame in my son and offended this guy and just ruined it because of my inbuilt shame. And then I just like, you know, I was there and I just made sure that he, you know, didn't take it too far. But once again, he's five, right? He was, you know, like he's not doing it intentionally. He's just curious. And it was, I don't know, it was, it was this learning experience for me, potentially just as much for my son in a different way. It's, it's interesting how like, it's like, he's helping me with this. Cause it's like, once again, on this on this podcast, I'm talking to a, a variety of different people that have a variety of different stories. And it's like, I will try and call people on things that I'm not 100% clear on or that I think need to be addressed. But in general, it's like you do you if you if you're into if you're into this, if you're into that, whatever rocks your boat, like I think whatever blows your hair back, whatever is going to make you feel as comfortable with yourself. And yeah, I'm really just happy that you even have this podcast and all the things do it's it's quite profound it's enjoyable it's a it's a it's a passion project um what i wanted to to sort of get to um and address is we had this sort of back and forth for, for those that don't know i've got the patreon to support this podcast and one of my patreon supporters were like oh hey it'd be cool to hear more of your voice so i'm like listen to, you can listen to the early access you can check out my other stuff online you can listen to my audiobooks my voice is out there apparently people love my voice but then because they're telling me what my what they want i'm like okay i'll give you an extra little bonus just for the patreon supporters the um sultry sound bite so it's like little 2 to 10 minute podcasts whenever i just sort of feel like talking with a little bit of sensuality <laughs> um <laughs> But, um, you know, a little bit of extra bonuses, right? But then we had this back and forth and you were saying that you're like, you know, before we arranged this setup, you were sort of doubting your voice. And I'm like, fuck me, I doubt my body. <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm not, you know, maybe it is the chocolate I'm stealing from my son from before. But um, like, like it's, it's and I, I can't remember the words you said, but the meaning of like, of, of um, you know, maybe you can re recapture some of our discussion here, but it's like, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was profound. It was so profound, I've forgotten what I what you said. But it was um, it was a um, it it's sort of like you can only be yourself, right? You can only do what you're doing, and and it's like you might be worried about your your voice. Your voice is fine, and you're like, you know, my body is fine. But it's about I don't know. There's something there. I'm confident about my voice because people are complimenting me on my voice. So it's like it's very easy to feel confident about that. But I would never, not would never. It's like I have never sort of leaned into the putting my body out there because it's not. I don't know. I've got issues down that path, and maybe vice versa. So maybe you can speak to that space a little bit. Like, how do you you speak to that space, and then like also, how do you just have the confidence to put out, you know, your yourself online? Like, sex videos is 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 um that's intense. You know, like I've I filmed some, but it's like I'm not I've not shared them. <laughs> you know, not not publicly, right? <laughs> right. I I remember the conversation. Um, I can't 
I don't know if I can remember as profound and eloquent <laughs> in the message. I'm, <laughs> Go, blow everyone's mind right now on the spot. <laughs> I'm more well-written than well-spoken. I can gather my thoughts a lot better on paper or, you know, the message. Um, but yeah, you were, we were talking about insecurity and, and yes. assets and, you know, I have confidence and I like to put myself out there when I'm feeling confident, but it's not every day. And it basically, it is who we are. It's, it's how we are. And I think when you ask the question, how do I get that confidence? It, it really has to come from within and just knowing and leaving it in myself. And I get that a lot from my partner too. As far as your voice is concerned, you know, you were, you know, you have a great voice. And I think that those compliments are coming through and kind of giving you that boost, which is nice. And I can almost hear it throughout your podcast. You know, you're sounding a little more vibrant, even though you've always been well-spoken. Um, as far as confidence, I think that's just something that you really need to just dig deep and know that that's it's it's who you are it's not going to change i mean maybe your personality and all but your body you just have to love yourself that you are i don't want to sound cheesy or cliche in a way but i really wish we could go back and find that conversation right now just so i read what i said but i don't touch the phone (laughs) make noise I think I think there's some there's a few things I want to draw down upon. You're right. Like you 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 are you are rocking the body, the voice, the the whatever that you've got, and you can work to improve it. But you've got to also accept what you've got and love it. It's like rather than looking at the negative, it's like what can my body do? What my my body is strong in this way. It's not. It's like I had this realization a few days ago. Like you've gotten here that you're you're a fan of 420 and you're you've got your little vape pipe now. Um, I I had um I got high a few days ago and just had this realization of like, hey shit, things are fine. Like. Rather than focusing on the negative, I'm going to focus on the gratitude of what I've got, of what I can do. You know what I mean? Our bodies, you know, it, you know, we get up every day, our feet walk us where we want to be, our things, and our ears hear all these things, and maybe they don't look the way that they want it, but they bring so much beauty in it. It's a false facade as well. Like you're comparing them to these, this, this fake, this, this fakeness as well. It's, it's, it's an unattainable thing. There's so many things wrong. It's like, you know, and no matter how good you look, you're still going to have a, a issues so it's like when are you ever going to be happy and if that's the case if you fight realize you're never going to be happy no matter how much you work on it no matter how much you diet no matter how much you do all of this sort of stuff then it's like well you've got a choice you can either start accepting and loving what you've got or you can accept that you're going to have to live in unhappiness with what you've got and i think the first option is far better but I, i also want to i want to drill down upon something else you said you mentioned you only post when you feel confident right yes and that's and that's that's important because like I do go up and down in my feelings of my body. So if I was to take, if I was to have a, like a social media account that was just me sharing my body and I wasn't allowed to delete the photos when I was feeling shit, but I was just allowed to post when I'm like, I'm like, I'm feeling banging right now. Right. I would feel like that version of me would feel comfortable posting that sort of stuff. So it's like, I can definitely relate. Like saying it's not, that's not being like deceptive. It's sort of just like showing this aspect of my personality, you know, like that is my truth in this moment. And it's just like you're hitting that moment all the time. It's not true for the full totality of, of you or me, but it's like, there's, there's truth in that instance. Oh, definitely. There are layers to people. So many layers. And we should be able to show that whether we feel confident or unconfident at any given time. Mm. There are, you know, being a uterus woman, I, you know, maybe get a good two and a half, three weeks out of a month where I feel really super awesome 
myself. And then the rest of the week, I'm a complete disaster, you know, with hormones. Things where I just want to lay with my hot water bottle and my dog and not talk to the world and, you know, know, maybe just self-indulge and kind of hate on myself and be sad and feel my emotions. But, you know, you've got to get out there. And, and so you'll, you'll see it again on my Instagram where it's sort of lately it's been lagging and I'm not out there as much. And that's come in with a lot of factors in life and other things that contribute to your self-confidence, you know, whether there are things going right, you know, in your academic world or your professional world or other things that come into play that just kind of make you feel I'm not in the mood to put my body out there or my voice or my word, mm. or whatever the case may be. And that's normal. And then when you are feeling that maybe you did have some other really great stuff you wanted to put out there and you throw it out there later and it may not have been right at that minute. Like it's not time for time or it's not as it's happening, but I'm bringing it back out to you because I did want to share it. It's just, I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I think layers are important and, and accepting those layers super key. hundred percent. I think that's, that's something that I keep, I keep coming back to like in myself with these discussions, it's, it's just, it's just accept yourself or find just find out what you're into, accept it and just, just take action from there, you know, be a good person, of course, but what else what else is there to do you know like realistically if you if you want to have joy and pleasure like it's it's getting to the stage where it's like you know i'll ask people like just just what are you into and it's just yeah whatever it is it's it's all come about and like the act of discovery is a is an act of self-discovery you know like oh you're into this sort of sexuality you do this sort of thing and it's i don't know self-discovery combined with curiosity is good i agree being curious is is i don't know I don't know, the zest of life. It's it's something that we should all have. Being curious about other people and, and the ways and that they do things and the ways that they think. Some people, I think, get into the bubble and just think, okay, I don't want to know why anybody does what they do. And I don't want to know why I do what I do or why I think the and I, that's really a wrong way. Sounds like they're sleep, sleepwalking through through existence right yeah it's not it's not it doesn't sound as healthy as it could be no it's not you've got to <laughs> and figure out why is it that i feel this way or why is it i don't want to do this and maybe it's not right for you and maybe it is something that happened in your past but uh it's uh, we live in such a and that it's so hard to even figure out who we are on any given moment never mind for the rest of life so I like what you got going on. I'm a, I'm a fan. I am. Um, I'm looking at the sort of list of um, interests and kinks and fetishes that you've um, you've projected. And it sounds like you know, bring it right back to the start. This has been a discovery aspect of what you've gotten into. Um, have you? How, how like, like maybe you can give a give a sort of a rundown of what you're sort of playing with or experimenting with um, beyond what we've talked about, but. I suppose, how, how far into this sort of kink scene have you gone and how far do you plan on going? Do you have a, a, like, like a sort of a thing that you're working towards or is it just a curiosity exploration? You know, where, where are we at? Um, it's definitely an exploration. I don't think I have an end game where there's, you know, the, you know, the pot of gold at the end of that I'm working for. I think within our four behind our four walls we are exploring a lot of stuff together 
Um, recently, we have reached out looking for a third bi-curious or bisexual male to join in our fun. Um, that's something that we're both hoping for. But that's new to both of us. And it's something that we've decided to do together. And behind our four walls, you know, we, we love to, you know, explore anally and orally and, you know, a little bit of BDSM and bondage. It's something that we, there's a few things I've never tried and neither has he. And I don't think that there is a limit or a, yeah, like I said, an end game that we're searching for. It's just to keep pushing those boundaries together and, and discussing those and, the outside lifestyle is something that we want to explore a little more. There is, you know, a couple, you know, sex clubs and things we do want to visit where we live. Um, just a matter of getting there and confidence. And, you know, it's that not knowing what's going to be there mm. hinders us. But we still want to keep exploring. And I think that zest for knowledge and that thirst for wanting to experience more together. It's, it's scary, though but exciting. And so I think that kind of gives me that gung ho to keep going. I like, I like that. Yeah. Curiosity, zest. Um, would you say out, outdoor play, are you more talking um, like, like, like not, not outside, like sort of in, or like, where are we talking outdoor play? You mean like at a nightclub that's sort of that, or are we, yeah. where, where are you talking? Voyeurism and outdoor sex, public, that sort of thing does really turn us on. We think that's super hot. Like the other day, we just went for a little car ride, a little roadhead kind of thing. And that was super Just, you know, it was fun. So we went and did it. And it just sort of happened. That worked out well. Um, but as I mean, out outside of our little bubble, we have not gone too far. But we're just starting to step outside of our bubble and or what's out there and maybe it won't be for us maybe there are things that you know we have fantasies and envision and think it's gonna be so hot and we'll get there and be like Ooh, and run away <laughs> you know back into our and that's fine <laughs> and that's gonna be fine um but yeah we've recently put out an ad which is like an ad and looking for a third in our city and yeah i was gonna ask how are you like putting out an ad like do you mean on like a like a fet life sort of situation like how, how are you because some people might find like, you know, within their sort of friendship circle, so to speak, how, how do you go about acquiring, I mean, you're effectively like trying to unicorn hunt. Um, <laughs> how do you, you know, how do you do that in a respectful way? How do you do that in an effective way? Um, well, we put it on Reddit and into, Reddit. Yeah, into that is sort of catered to people looking for somewhat of the same. It's not out there to sell content or, you know, provide sexual favors or any of that it's moderated you know you make a post and we put out some of our criteria who we are what we're looking for and you know we have a whole other list of things behind the scenes that we'll have conversations with eventually when we find the right fit for the person or the right person um, and there are some musts that we must have at the top of the list and open to other things you got to find the right vibe. This is very new to us. So we mm. actually put it out there just the other day, um, days ago, actually. And we're like, oh, yeah, we'll probably get a few, you know, responses in a couple of days or whatever. And it just blew up. Like, I, we could barely keep up with the inbox. There was no way. And, 
people just out there and we thought, this is super cool. Like, we're not the only ones like this. And there were couples, you know, coming in and saying, you know, I want to play with you. She's cool with that. You know, we're looking for strictly a male, not a female. That's a personal preference of mine. Um, and it was just, I, could, I was kind of flabbergasted, if I could say the right word, at the response and the open and the respect and and people really understanding that sort of lifestyle. And a lot of people we had saying they'd never done anything like that, but really liked our content and, you know, got it. Hmm. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of interesting space there. I suppose it's good that you've got access to um, so many options to choose from, which means that you'll end up partnering or like you've got, you've, you can, I mean, do you want one person to apply for the job or do you want 300 people to apply for the job? Which one's going to give you the better applicant to the position? Exactly. And, and that's actually um, my boyfriend, he said, he's like, at least we have options, you know, it's mm. really fine. And we're not just looking for a one-off, you know, or I'm not into just jumping into, like, we've had a few people who are like, hey, you ready tonight? We're like, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> You're, I can, I can beat your house in three minutes. Let's go. Are you clean? And, you know, there's a number of things you got to check off our list and and we're going to be picky because we're about and love each other and we want to make sure that we're not ever going to feel some type of way about a certain thing that may come up we wanted to make sure 100% I like that you've got the self-respect and the patience to like because you need both like you need to respect yourself enough to be like you know it's it's hard to say no to people like humans have this like a lot of humans will say yes to 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 things that they may be internally want to say no to both with sex but also with life and with business i mean that's the the basis of all marketing right it's like to turn a a no into a yes or a maybe into a yes it's like you 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 want to convince and it's just you know it's it's you want to please people it's like if i say no to you you feel like oh hey can we have sex and i'm like no like i have to hurt your feelings now based on like i don't want to i don't have any desire to hurt your feelings but in order to stand up for myself i have to i have to say no and that will you know, make you sad and people don't want to make other people sad. It's hard to make people sad, but you, you have to, if you want to get what you want, right? Especially too. I think we had that conversation. I actually said, you know, how, how do we go about saying no to people? You know, that's mm. a picture and we don't like the way they look and nothing to do with whether they're, you know, any sort of looking, but it's just something that would attract them. And so how do you might not be attracted to their, their, general characteristics there's you don't have to be attracted to everyone that's an interesting thing in in modern society eh? there's like you have to be attracted to everyone all the time it's like no no i don't like i can respect everyone yes but i don't have to play with everyone i don't have to let them touch me just because they're xyz but but it's about yeah how do you then it then it becomes it's like okay well i'm i'm not into you i'm sorry how do i break that to you yeah how do we soften the blow to you and yeah like you said you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and i am a very empathetic soft like i i feel people's feelings more than most and i said you know he's like i'll handle the nose and so i took it upon myself <laughs> and i told three people no yesterday i'm really proud of myself and i and I was, you know, upfront and honest. And I think that helped. They just turned around and said, well, thank you for your honesty. Appreciate it. And I said, you know, happy hunting. Good to you. Bye. Ah. That wasn't so bad. <laughs> I, like, I like that approach. Um, just, yeah, the, the open and honesty of, of all of the responses. It's like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I'm not keen. Because you're not, 
the worst thing you can do to someone, I think, not the worst thing, like a really bad thing you can do to someone is like give them a a soft no that they might be able to interpret as a a maybe in the future yes. Yeah. Right. Like because it's like oh sorry I'm not you know and you don't you don't like you know sorry I'm not keen like I'm not interested like this isn't happening like saying that in a respectful clear manner I feel is better than uh well I don't know and that they can interpret in a way that's like oh well she's not keen right now so I'm going to keep my hopes alive and I'm also going to keep pestering because that's you know mm. and I think that circles back to a lot of verbal and nonverbal communication when you're texting and messaging. There are those words that, you know, you throw in, I think I'm not interested or. Yeah, I think, I think I'm not interested. Oh, the words you throw into sentences that are unnecessary when you could say, sorry, I'm not interested. They're not only unnecessary, they're, they're, they're unnecessary and they're, they, they change meaning. Like I, I write poetry and, and part of the job of the editing side of poetry or writing side, whatever, is to get rid of all of the bullshit words. and. You know, because like words matter, and to someone that doesn't think about words like that, it's like, oh, what is you know, who cares? Um, but uh, you know, each word that you add changes all of the rest of the sentence, changes the meaning, changes what the person's interpreting. So yeah, I'm like, if I say I'm not sure that I want to play with you versus I don't want to play with you, or I think I don't want to play with you versus I don't want to play with you is probably a better example. I think I don't want to play with you implies something down a similar. Yeah, it's it's like down a similar path, but it's like it's not at all the same conveyed meaning as I don't want to play with you. Like there's like that's that's a clear, definite no. Whereas the other one's like, mm, I'm not quite sure, but maybe maybe you could convince me. Yeah, keep coming. Maybe you know the connotation. And I think even using the appropriate words. So many people use words in a, and that's the English language for us, though. You know, and- what, what what do you mean? Sorry, they they don't use the the like they use euphemisms or they sort of like hide behind like kitty words. Is that sort of what you're going for? Like they're not saying like not even using the right word at the right time. You know, there are strict definitions on words and what they mean, and you know there are words that sort of can mean other things. And I don't have a good example of that right now. You probably would. You're a little bit more the the, the if 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 I. Like I've got a young, young kid and he can't speak, but he can convey meaning, right? Like he'll go, bush, bush, bush. <laughs> and based on his body language, where he is, the context, it's pretty clear. Like he came out, held a toy, pointed to the toy, said some stuff and then pointed to the other room. And I'm like, oh, did your big brother take a toy from like, like I got the story from his, you know, like he conveyed meaning to me right so it's like it's not even necessarily like the, like communication is quite interesting it's it's about conveying meaning and then also making sure that you've got the meaning like it's such a dynamic process that sounds super simple but it's actually quite complex because like, i might say a word but i'm i've got an idea in my mind i convert that to verbal language it goes through the air you you've convert that verbal language back to this weird meaning thing and then speak back to me and i was like what's the chances that my words are being interpreted as I think they are in your mind, right? It's it's not, <laughs> yeah, in, unless we know each other, unless we like take on non-verbals and all that sort of stuff, because back to what you're saying with, with these, with these people that you're, you're trying to, trying to hook up with, right. And like back to that sort of soft no versus hard no people flirt. And this is sort of like a, a hard thing to say. It's a bit controversial, right. But people flirt with a no often, right. Or they flirt with the ambiguity, 
you know what I mean? Like I've, you know, I do it myself. It's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not too sure. Like, cause you, you don't know if they're like, you're both sort of feeling each other out. Right. So you might, you don't want to be like, Hey, let's like, I really want to fuck you right now because that's, well, that's too strong. And now it's a turn off. Right. So you, it's, it's hard to find that balance when you're, you're doing this. And, you know, so unless, if you're not clear, if you're, if you definitely don't want something, make it unambiguous because the reality of human interaction is, is that sometimes people will say the opposite words to what their body language and what their intentions are because it's like that's a way that people flirt and that can be very confusing, particularly if it's in written format, right? Like it's just there's so many nuances here and it's like that's why you've got to make sure you've got the informed enthusiastic consent, but it's like, ooh, it's it's hard. So if it's, if it's a no, fucking spell it out for the person. Absolutely. And your mood too when you're reading something, you know, you could have just – that interaction on the phone with a friend or something or checking your and somebody said something to you you're like now they're upset with me too if there's ambiguity and you could take it both ways you know like if you give if you say something to me like oh hey i'm not sure if i want to come over right that sounds very ambiguous if I'm in a great mood, if I'm confident, yada, yada, I take it one way. If I'm feeling like I've like the world's attacking me, I'm like, oh, what? You don't like me anymore? Like there's so many different ways that you can take that sentence. And it's like, it's dependent on me. It's like the words are the same. And people can take it as a personal attack. I have a friend. Oh. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if I feel up to that tonight. Like, well, what did I do wrong? And it's like, oh, yeah, it's nothing to do with you. It's <laughs> we all struggle. You know, there's, you know, we have mental illness days. We have mental illness for life. There's all these other factors that an outside triggers coming in at us that I think a lot of people are not very cognizant on how we are portraying and speaking and being to others. And I think one of my big things in morals in life is just be as honest as possible. It really is the best policy. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. You might hurt some people, but you're not like you're, you're going to hurt less over the long term, ideally. Look, I, I'm I'm aware we're coming up on time, so I've um first of all I want to I want to thank you for your for your open and honesty and discussion all that sort of stuff. I do want to give you a chance to to tie up any loose ends or finish any stories or cover any ground, anything you want to leave um leave the viewers with, um you know just feel free to sort of take take it wherever you like um and just yeah if there's something that we sort of half went down a tangent we have tendencies tendencies to sort of address multiple topics so it's sort of like I want to give at the end the um the the uh, the guest the chance to um address any last little bits? Sure. Well, I appreciate this, Zach. I really do. It was kind of a, I threw it out there and said, oh, I'd love to be on your podcast. You're like, yes, come on. And I appreciate that. Anyone can be anyone. Like, it's just, you know, you're all real people. I'm a real people. <laughs> it's like, let's, let's have real conversations here. Welcome. Yeah, please, please approach. Anything. I mean, <laughs> we touched on a lot of stuff and I think I would love to come back and delve into a lot of other topics and, you know, find new ones and but as far as leaving anybody with anything, I think I think we've touched on its honesty and be authentic to yourself and be as honest as possible to yourself and to others. For everyone's benefit, yours and theirs. Yeah. And society's. Like it's just it's it's the only way that I can possibly see this all working. But you know, if we're gonna get through the rest of humanity, I think that's something we need to learn. <laughs> Oh, look, the rest of humanity is resting on the so on the shoulders of us and you, dear listener. This is it. You need to be open and honest with your sexuality. Fuck who you like, when you like, how you like. Um, and feel free to share it however you like because humanity is riding. It's riding on <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> I hope that people have heard your story or part of your story. And yes, come back on the podcast at some stage. We can have a, We can go into more depth because – 
everyone's story is is both validating everyone else's. We're all in our own heads, right? So, like, thank you so much once again for coming. And just on hearing board. normal people talk about every day makes us all feel a little more normal. Yeah, right. Let's um, let's chat. Let's talk. <laughs> well, Zach, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I um, yeah, I've gotten a lot, and um. It's um fascinating. I'm sure I'll have a bunch of follow up questions about the um maybe about the porn store as well. That was um <laughs> <laughs> stealing stealing the um what was it stealing the uh, the the, yeah. the sex doll, Gemma Jameson sex doll. That's right. Oh, I wonder who I wonder who the model modern porn porn stores have um built up of. Like who 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 are the dolls um, made up of? Like maybe Belle Delphine. Like who 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 do you reckon the um modern dolls are made from? I don't even know who's like hot in the porn world now as far as like stuff like that. I just remember it was like Jenna Jameson and it was pretty much just her. And I read a book by that's pretty much the only girl I remember um, as far as major names. It'd be interesting to note uh, what the current scene is. Maybe you can get back in, like do some casual shifts and sort of get the the, uh, the modern eye. (laughs) (laughs) No. I do I do appreciate your time. Thank you so much for jumping on. All right. Thanks, Zach. Take care. Cheers. Just want to give a super special thank you for Molly for jumping on board the podcast. I love her chill attitude and her approach to sex and life in general. There's something to be said about embracing your true, authentic self, whether it be by discovering what sort of morning routine or lack of you need, by discovering what sort of sex, sexuality, and experiences you want or don't want, and by leaning into fun and play and adventure in whatever form it takes. I really appreciate the use of content creation as foreplay. That to me screams future success because even if no one else looks, the very act itself is successful. So whatever benefits come beyond that is all just a bonus. So thank you once again for jumping on the podcast. If you'd like to jump on board the podcast or become a sponsor, hit me up on social media or shoot me an email and we'll make it happen. And if you want to support the podcast, there's a few ways you can do it. The best thing you can do is to give it a rate and review, is to tell someone about it. You can also grab a copy of the book Kink Volume 1. It's a collection of BDSM and kinky inspired short fiction and poetry. But if you're looking for more benefits and more content, you could consider signing up for the Patreon. Support us on the $5 per month tier. You'll get early access to all the episodes. At the time of recording, that would give you seven early access episodes. My current schedule of release is once a fortnight. So if you want early access, as well as exclusive access to the Sultry Soundbites, the Kinky Community Discord channel, behind the scenes recordings, and a whole bunch of other sexy benefits, sign up to the Patreon for $5 per month it makes a massive difference. The recording, editing, processing, and uploading of each episode takes me about six to eight hours. So if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support it, jump on board the Patreon. And finally, I'll leave you with a chapter from the book Kink, Volume 1. Enjoy. Jamal's Confession I wouldn't consider myself to be bisexual, despite the fact that I regularly fuck both men and women. The male form just doesn't turn me on, but neither does the female body either. No, the real turn on for me is the power play. I love the game, 
I love it when they submit to me and grant me total control. When someone submits, it's as if the heavens have opened up and God is speaking directly into my ear, saying, Jamal, this is a gift for your pleasure. Use it wisely. And I do. Don't get me wrong, I'm totally respectful. Make sure to talk them through the stop signs and signals, as well as what they consider their hard limits to be. But I often find that people don't quite know what their limits actually are. I help them to explore aspects of themselves that they never even knew they wanted to explore. Then I push them further. They love it. And they all come back for more. If I allow them to, that is. I'm quite good at reading people, knowing what they want to do, but are too afraid to ask for. I think as a species, we crave domination. We want some alpha figure to come in, take charge, and put us in our places. It's tribal. It's evolutionary. It's pure sexuality. All it takes for most women to be on their knees for me is sustained eye contact. A little nod, perhaps a few words spoken with confidence and expectation. Men often take a little more work. They can be afraid of what it would mean for them. Would it make me gay? Like it matters. Once I highlight that the fact they are even contemplating that question suggests their desire to do so, well, they fall like putty. That said, I do find that having a woman in the room can help their initial transitions into submission. Particularly if that woman in question is hot, sexually free, and dominant herself. Or if the man has a history with her. Once we get going, most men are more than willing to watch me fuck their missus, and then fuck them in turn. Then I make them clean up after us, get us drinks, and roll our joints. They seem to appreciate being told what to do, and love the compliments they get for a job well done. Once a man accepts that he isn't the alpha, his happiness actually increases. He stops striving to become more than he is, and is in turn free to be himself. No longer burdened by the weight of responsibility that comes with being a true leader. The top bull. The alpha male.
You've been listening to the Kinky Conversations podcast.